Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes, Service Academy Football. Now, here are your hosts, Price Atkinson and Bill Rowland. Thank you, TJ Reeves. Welcome in to another edition of Yards and Stripes, Service Academy Football, Army, Navy, and Air Force. That's what we do. He is Bill Rowland, and I am Price Atkinson. Bill, what's happening? Our mutual friend, TJ Reeves, taking us in. You know, one of our great buddies, and I appreciate uh, him having us on Three Dog Thursday to promote the podcast last week. Um, This weekend, or last weekend, what we had, Bill, um, kind of what we thought, except we had a thriller to finish. How was your weekend? How was your college football Saturday, Bill? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there was any great surprise on what went down. I think we had both games correct. Army didn't get their cover because they gave up a late touchdown, but, I mean, it was what we thought we were going to get from that game. They dominated from from start to finish. And, and just like we said last week, the, the Air Force-Utah State game, I thought that number, what was it, eight and a half, I, I said it was too big, that this was going to be a shootout and it was going to maybe come down to whoever had the ball last. Unfortunately for Air Force, they gave it up there at the end of the game and it cost them. But, you know, the, the college football landscape overall itself, I mean, there are a lot of teams that struggled this past week. So you're still in the early stages, I think, of teams trying to figure themselves out. I mean, Clemson having problems with Georgia Tech. They had to get a last-minute uh, goal line stand to save themselves in that game. Yep. I mean, there are a lot of teams, I guess, outside of Alabama and Georgia who just keep rolling right along. But there are a lot of teams that, you know, have kind of walked that minefield <laughs> as they try to get through their, their out-of-conference schedule and now into conference schedules that – it looks like we're going to have two SEC teams again going to the college football playoff. But, they, I mean, hey, if they don't lose, you, you can't blame them. They just keep winning. Yeah, big picture. It is kind of interesting. You look at some of the mainstays of the college football playoff, and while it is early, you know, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama this past weekend, um, you know, Oklahoma, um, you know, those four not quite as dominant, uh, overpowering. I mean, certainly Alabama, that was, that was a head-turner. For me, I mean, the fact that they were even taken into the fourth quarter in a regular season game, uh, forget a postseason game, that shocked the pants off me. So, yeah, I mean, I think everybody's still trying to figure out what you got. You know, obviously, we know when you lose key pieces, that's something. You know, I still think that there's probably some of the COVID factor that's probably somewhere at play after last year, you know, when a lot of people didn't have fans, you know, players were in and out. Um, you know, you've now given extra years of eligibility. I mean, there's all kinds of things I think at play, you know, this season. But, you know, the fact that we don't have the dominance uh, so far overall at the top, I think is a good thing. Um, you know, parity on Saturdays, uh, to me, always makes things better. It's one reason why, obviously, the NFL is so popular. But we're not going to talk about the NFL, certainly. And we're going to get to service academies because we had Army and Air Force in action, Bill. Let's recap both those games before we give you our Travis Mannion Foundation honor roll segment that we wrap up every episode all honoring a fallen hero and certainly previewing our three games this weekend because all three teams are back in action. But Bill, let's start um, at West Point, Army 52-21. to 21. You mentioned they did not cover, giving up a late touchdown, but it was everything that we thought and more is the Black Knights 3-0 for the first time since 2016, their 12th straight win at Mikey Stadium. Um they open up 42 nothing. score on touchdowns, find the end zone on all six first-half possessions. It was over before it began. Everything that we thought would happen and more. 
Yeah, this is exactly what we predicted just because UConn is really struggling this year and they're, they're not having a great season. Again, uh, quarterback Christian Anderson twice on the ground, threw for a touchdown as well. He was two for two on the day for 70 yards, which, again, that's fantastic for a service academy quarterback if you can get a touchdown in, in nearly 100 yards. And the nice thing about it is they never had to punt. The entire day, they never their punter got the day off. So I mean, I, I, I don't know off the top of my head who their punter is, but he should be very, very fresh for their game coming up this week because he didn't have to punt at all. They just went and grinded down uh, UConn over 500 yards of total offense. They had what 14 different players carry the football for them. Five different players found the end zone. Uh, and again, they continue their dominance. Five of nine on third down, two of three on fourth down. It, I mean, just, you know, soup to nuts, as they like to say. It was just a dominant effort by Army. You mentioned the punter. That punter's name is senior Zach Harding because I went and looked it up. Uh, you're right. He never got off the bench, and he's only punted twice this season. Yeah. I mean, that tells you, you know, how much that Army offense acts like, you know, kind of another defense, and you don't have to punt the football when you're getting into your opponent's territory so often. You got, you know, probably five times as many fourth down attempts as you do punts, which is you know, kind of an odd, you know, statistic. But um, you, when you think about, you know, undersized at the service academies, Let's just say that Zach Harding, the punter for Army, is not exactly undersized at 6'5", 225 for a punter. That's one place where you can say they're not outmanned at the punting spot. That doesn't happen very often. But, yeah, you know, one thing you mentioned, um, you know, Army holding the ball uh, over 500 yards of offense. They had it for over 40 and a half minutes. I thought one thing that was the kicker, you know, we're usually used to these big, long drives by the Black Knights. And, you know, they had six drives in the first half that were obviously all ending in touchdowns en route to the 42-0 halftime advantage. Four of those six drives were five plays or less. I mean, these were big play drives. You know, you get a big play here and there, but I mean, it's not the usual grinded out, you know, style that we're used to. You know, the big grinded out drive was late in the game. It's 18 plays, 64 yards that ended in a 28-yard field goal with five minutes to go that made it 52-14. to 14. That took up over, I think, 11 minutes on the clock. I mean, that was the biggest one of the day, and that's obviously what Army was trying to do that late in the game, basically pulling, you know, cadets out of the uh, the, the student section in the stands at Mikey, trying to get everybody in the game, because I would venture to say that Army played almost everybody on that roster on Saturday. Yeah, and again, they did a fantastic job of it, and, you know, that late drive, I'm sure they would have loved to have stuck it in the end zone rather than settling for the field goal, but... You know, when you're up that big, I imagine in a regular game, they may have gone for it again on the fourth down rather than kicking the field goal. But why not let your place kicker get some practice as well? Let him go ahead and and, and take a kick. 7.6 yards per play is what they averaged in that game. I mean, you're sitting there at second and two, second and three all day long. I mean, it, it was just... And again, I think it says... It does say a lot about Army. I think it says also a whole lot about UConn and where they are right now. Yeah, no question. They are awful. Let's listen to Coach Jeff Munkin talking about them that offense playing so well in that first half of play on Saturday. Really happy with the way our guys played in the first half. I thought it was a p- complete game, offense, defense, and special teams. I thought we played played really well, getting them off the field. And obviously when you're, when you're winning with a margin like that at halftime, you've played pretty well. I thought Christian Anderson was very efficient and took care of the ball and – and delivered it and he just he just continues to play well 
Yeah, he does continue to play well. The, you know, one thing we'll talk about in a little bit, but, you know, Army en route to a 3-0 start this season, the first time, you know, I believe since 2016 that they're 3-0 to begin the season. Their uh, injury's kind of starting to take a little bit of a toll on this Army team. We'll talk about it kind of as we, you know, get you ready for their upcoming game this weekend. Some guys that are out and maybe a few that they hope to get back. Um, you know, but one one other statistic that kind of caught my eye, you know, that you know, it was the offense was the name of the game on, on on Saturday. But you know, defensively, you know, for Army, you know, it's it's a unit that kind of gets overlooked sometimes, Bill, because you know, again, on the opponent's opening drive, they held their opponent's uh, first offensive possession to less than 15 yards of total offense, haven't given up a score, and something you don't see a whole lot. They broke up six passes in the game on Saturday. Six is is. Uh, kind of a high number when you talk about pass breakups. Army defense getting it done, albeit against an awful, I mean, an abysmal UConn offense and UConn team for that matter. Yeah, only nine first downs on the day for UConn. And again, that's with most of the backups playing the second half. 225 total yards on the entire day. The Huskies just three of 10 on third downs. I mean, it's complete dominance. Uh, Nate Smith, a sack and a, and a half on the day. He led the way for that defense. They were, again, both sides the ball really really good just don't know if it says again as we've said was it all about army are they this good or is this about UConn being this bad I think it's probably a little of both honestly yeah, Randy Edsel, the head coach, he stepped down after basically week one going with an interim coach and Jeff Munkin touched on that afterwards as well obviously with the turmoil having a, a new head coach and and just the uncertainty of that I mean, it, it happens. It, it doesn't make, you know, those kids bad players. They got a bunch of good players. It doesn't make their coaches bad coaches. They got a bunch of really good football coaches over there. They're just struggling as a team right now. Struggling mightily. Let me echo that. Jeff Munkin, again, 52-21 to 21 Army over winless UConn. All right, Bill, in terms of the two games we had over the weekend, no question about it, the Utah State Air Force game. You and I both were thinking it would be a close one, one of those down-to-the-wire Mountain West affairs, and it was just that more. Utah State rallying to get a 49-45 win over Air Force out in Colorado Springs. And, you know, dare I say it, Bill, you know, Utah State now 3-0 this season. I think one of the early season stories in college football only had a win last year, and, I mean, clearly a COVID-shortened season, but 3-0 for the first time since 1978. Blake Anderson coming from Arkansas State, you know, it's not a team that's going to pop on many people's radar, but I think unquestionably one of the quiet big stories happening in college football this season and then going to Air Force and winning on the road in your first conference game, it's a big statement for the Aggies, 49-45 to 45 over Air Force. Yeah, and they did it again as we talked about in our preview last week. They did it again by winning the fourth quarter, and that's kind of been their M.O. all during the years. They've dominated in the fourth quarter, 15-7. to seven. It doesn't sound like much dominance necessarily, but the defense made the big play at the end to get the fumble. The offense put up the 15 points. Utah State has been impressive, and they were once again in this in this game, despite giving up 6.9 yards a carry to Air Force. You knew it was going to be a shootout. Air Force did it on the ground. Utah State did it through the air, and in the end, Utah State doing just enough to get by with the victory. 
I worry about the Air Force defense. It's somewhat because against a high-powered passing offense, they really couldn't get off the field. Utah State 14 of 21 on third down conversions. That's usually a number we see from an Air Force-type team. Utah State did the job on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, and, and I worry about Air Force's, you know, secondary as well, their pass defense, because this is really the quintessentially a lot of what you see in the Mountain West Conference, Bill, on Saturdays is you see teams that like to toss the ball around. And, you know, that's what name of the game, what Utah State does. I mean, 448 yards passing, five touchdowns. Air Force did get a pick, but you had two guys, you know, come in the game. Wasn't just one that was lighting you up. I mean, I think to me, that's more of a telltale sign. Logan Bonner was 21 of 34 for 253 and two scores. Then Andrew Beasley comes in. He's 10 of 15 for 195 and three scores. So it wasn't just one guy that was, you know, a flamethrower and was hot and things were working. Whoever they put in at quarterback seemed like they were unstoppable. And, you know, when then you throw in a guy like Calvin Tyler, a junior running back who, you know, carries the ball 19 times, 132 yards. He himself averaged 6.9 yards per carry, you know, including that late touchdown, 61 yards with 354 to go. That was the difference when you're throwing it and you're running it like that. It's kind of pick your poison. That's any team will tell you in college football when you have that kind of balance. That's the name of the game. Yeah, and, and Utah State actually did a good job as well in in being able to not only get quick scores, but they were able to sustain drives. You look, Air Force ended up winning the time of possession, but it wasn't the time of possession gap that they need to be able to win games. It's only about six, seven minutes difference in time of possession, which in a normal game, you'd be like, wow, that's a lot. But when you're used to being 35 minutes to 25 minutes, 40 minutes to 20 minutes like Army was with UConn, like we've seen in the past, that can really, really help you keep those high-powered, quick-scoring offenses off the field. Air Force couldn't do that. Again, we mentioned the 14 of 21 third down. That keeps them on the field. But also, they were able to sustain and not have you know three-play drives, four-play drives for touchdown. Utah State was able to stay on the field and frustrate, and really, I think they wore down Air Force, and, and that's why they were able to, to score the two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and, and basically steal this win on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, Utah State, they got a, a big play or a touchdown early in the uh, second quarter uh, to take their first lead 13 to 10. And then, you know, Air Force owning the really the rest of the second quarter with a 56 yard touchdown pass from Hazik Daniels to Micah Davis. And then a three yard run from Dane Kinneman with uh, under a minute to go that gave Air Force a 24 to 13 lead. But I think one of the big things, that statement that Utah State made coming out of the locker room, you know, pretty much to start that uh, third quarter, you know, taking the kickoff uh, seven plays, 69 yards on a 24-yard touchdown pass to make it 24-20, to 20, that showed they were not going away um, when they came back and scored right out of the gate in the third quarter. And it was really back and forth uh, the rest of the way. You know, more big plays, a couple touchdown passes from uh, Andrew Peasley, the backup quarterback that came in and – you know, uh, Emmanuel Michelle for um, Air Force, he tried to put it on his shoulders, a pair of 50-yard-plus touchdown runs. You know, the last one, 55 yards with under a minute to go in the third, they gave Air Force the lead back again at 38-34. And then when Hazik Daniels scored again on a 39-yard touchdown run, 
you know, Bill, with 10.30 to go that gave Air Force a 45 to 34 cushion. I kind of thought right there that they might break some of Utah State's will. You know, we talked about what Utah State has done in the fourth quarter of this season, but I thought, you know, because it had been one of those back and forth kind of games, when a big play like that can take a lot of momentum out of a defense and a team, for that matter, on the sideline, Utah State did not lay down, man. I mean, right back, you know, three plays later, they they get in the end zone, and obviously, you know, they come, they go on to win the football game, getting a, uh, you know, a, a turnover, getting Hussey Daniels to put the ball on the ground, they recover, and that was it. But I kind of thought the Air Force might be able to, cr- not cruise, but, you know, again, going up 11, I thought that that might have been able to clinch it, but again, Mountain West Conference is never over till it's over. Well, right, and, and that's the thing is when you've got a, a quick score offense like Utah State has, there is still plenty of time, obviously plenty of time, because they came back and won. Um, and, and the ability, again, of Air Force not being able to keep teams off the field and just the speed, I think, of Utah State obviously – uh, gave them problems. Now, we're talking about that it was such a bad day for Air Force, but they had, look, again, they ran for 437 yards in this game, and I thought Zeke Daniels had probably one of his best individual games if you take away the fumble, but 6 of 12 throwing the ball for 182 yards. He had 14 rushes for 104 and a couple of touchdowns. He had a fantastic day. The problem is the only thing people are going to remember is the late fumble for him. They also had two other guys go over 100 yards rushing. So, I mean, Air Force as an offense was dominant. They just couldn't do anything on the other side to slow down Utah State. Yeah, you know, you got to be able to get off the field on on third down. And, you know, Utah State on third and fourth down, 16 to 24. Basically, you know, converting, you know, two out of every three, three three out of every four. And, you know, you got to be able to get those stops and get off that field because you said, you know, Air Force did the job offensively too. I mean, they had what, uh, over 600 yards of total offense as well. So it wasn't like Air Force played bad offensively. I mean, they had three guys go over 100 yards rushing. But let's listen to what Coach Troy Calhoun had to say about Utah State afterwards. Credit to them. I mean, I thought, golly, man, they, they are highly, highly skilled uh, you just look at you know how dynamic they are in the open field, and uh, and they did a good job once they got out in the open field of being able to take not only a play once there was when you tackle better. I think that's part of it, but uh, credit uh, absolutely huge credit to Utah State. You know, Bill, we we thought you know Air Force would win the game, but definitely thought it would be close and that you know would be a cover, but. You know, six and zero. You and I kind of pontificated a little bit here that we thought it could be a six and zero start for Air Force. You know, obviously that's not going to be the case now, but you got to kind of pick up and and move forward. Jordan Jackson, uh, the senior defensive lineman, he said afterwards he thinks it's better to lose now than later. I think it's kind of good we had this now. I'd rather have this happen earlier in the season than later in the season. Uh, get us back on track. You win two games, you think you're untouchable, maybe so taking this loss now, get on the chin, bounce back next week, and that's the only thing we can do. So, Bill, you're uh, Troy Calhoun. I know it's putting a lot of people in uh, <laughs> kind of an awkward spot because he's kind of an awkward guy. like Troy a lot, but, um, you know, he's a little unorthodox. What do you say for Troy Calhoun to your team, you know, getting back to the practice field this week, you know, after really seemingly having that one in your grasp? Hold on to the football. 
I mean, I th- honestly, I think that's what he's. I mean, that's where he's gonna. He's going to have his focus there. Now he's gonna have to talk to his defensive coordinator and see if they. Yeah. They've got to get more pressure on the quarterback. They've got to be able to do that because they're going to face a lot of teams, and they know this. They're going to face a lot of teams that are going to try to force them to play the pass. And if they can't get pressure up front, you're going to see. You know, Utah State-like numbers of 14 of 21 on third down and 390, 400 yards passing and quick scores and everything else. But if they don't fumble the football late, there's probably a chance we're talking about how they got themselves down and then came back in one late in the fourth quarter. Unfortunately, you know, turnovers are a part of it. You've just when you run the ball that much, you know that fumbles are a part of it. You just have to hope that it don't that it doesn't come at a bad time and that the guys don't do the things that will put the ball out there to get knocked free. And unfortunately, Zeke Daniels got it punched out late and, and it cost him the game. Yeah, because I mean, I, I, let's face it, Air Force getting the ball back with what uh, you know, just under 4 minutes to go. You know, the way they were ripping off some plays there, I mean, it was what on the fourth play of that drive, and they, you know, four yards on first down, then, you know, Hazik Daniels, 26-yard pass play, and then right. another pass complete to Micah Davis for seven, then Hazik Daniels runs for 13. I mean, they got all the way down to the Utah, uh, what, the Utah State, you know, inside the 25-yard line before, you know, that ball is knocked out. They were marching. They were, they were marching score. that goal line. I'm convinced that Air Force was going to score yeah. and go into the end zone for the basically what would have been the game-winning drive, maybe with you know give or take 30 to 60 seconds left, if he holds on to that ball. I mean, it was a fumble that you know is one that costs you the game. And you know, like you said, you know, defense, you got to get off the field, but still, even giving up over 620 yards of offense. Your offense had the ball basically in a last situation. Whoever had the ball last in one of these high-scoring Mountain West Conference games usually wins, and Air Force was in the perfect position to do that. And Isaac Daniels does something he really hadn't done all year, and that's put the ball on the ground. Yeah, they were on – I mean, to me, that that was going to be, as you said, the game-winning drive because Air Force – was unstoppable in that game for the most part. Their own mistake is what stopped them. I mean, again, 6.9 yards a carry. They were going into the end zone. But again, credit Utah State, the defender, for poking that one free. It wasn't like it was a a botched handoff. It wasn't anything like that or a bad pitch. The guy just reached out, punched it free, and uh, they ended up recovering the fumble. So, I mean, good on them for making the play that they had to make. They made the play that Air Force couldn't make during the game, that they just couldn't get that one stop, that one big turnover when they needed it. Utah State did. Again, final score, Utah State 49, Air Force 45. Falcons dropped to 2-1 and one overall in the season, 0-1 oh in the Mountain, Western Conf- Mountain West Conference, while Utah State improves to 3-0. and oh. All right, Bill, let's give out a couple game balls. I'll let you fire first. I think I went first last week. Your proverbial game ball, where, who, who are you going to give yours to? Unit, team, player, which way are you going this Oh, week? I need a whole rack of game balls for this one because I'm going with the Army offensive line. All of them, not just the starters. Every single guy who got in the game should get a game ball because they were as dominant as you can get. As we mentioned earlier, no punts. So that means your offensive line is doing their job up front because they're getting first downs and the continuing drives. And they were six of six inside the red zone, which is fantastic. They averaged nearly, uh, well, over seven yards a play. So every time you're lining up, you're getting to second and three pretty much. 
Um, so, yeah, I'm giving it to the, the Army offensive line because those guys don't get enough credit. We always go, oh, the running back had a great day. The quarterback had a great day, whatever it may be. Well, it's because <clears throat> those guys up front did their job. So this week, hats off to you guys. The Army offensive line gets my game balls. All right, my game ball, Bill, I'm going to go with Air Force junior fullback Emmanuel Michelle out of Lawrenceville, Georgia. Think about this. I mean, he had the big day, 11 carries, 133 yards, and two touchdowns. You know, a 51, what, a 51-yard touchdown run in the in the third quarter, and then he and then he rips off another 50-yard or 55 um, in late in the third quarter. So he goes, you know, two big plays. 50-yard runs for touchdowns um, that gave Air Force a 31-20 lead and then brought them back and gave them the lead once again, um, you know, at 38-24 to late in the third quarter. He was single-handedly tried to put the Falcons on his back there in that third quarter. But think about this. Going into the game, Bill, he had one carry for three yards in the win over Lafayette and then one carry against Navy for three yards. He had two carries for a total of six yards Coming into the game, his number is called by Troy Calhoun, and he rips off 11 for 133 and two touchdowns over 12 yards a carry. Dude, that's what I call getting it done. And again, system football when it comes to the triple option. You just have a lot of guys. It's plug and play at uh, a lot of those skill positions, especially at fullback. Um, it's just next man up, and that's simply what the case was for Air Force and you know, Emmanuel, Emmanuel Michelle leading the way with 134 yards. You know, Air Force did have three. I mean, Hazik Daniels was over 100 yards. Brad Roberts was over 100 again, fourth time out of seven career games that he's been over 100. But Michelle, you know, making it count when his number was called, Bill. Yeah, solid performance by him. And again, it's just too bad mm-hmm. it comes in a, in a losing effort. But he should be very, very happy. And so should Coach Calhoun be very happy that he called his number as much as he did. And the guy came through with the results that you want. And hopefully that continues going forward because it's just another weapon for that offense. All right, we're going to look ahead to what's coming up this weekend. Three big games, our Travis Manion Foundation honor roll segment to wrap it up where we honor a fallen hero. Uh, but first one tell you make sure you download listen subscribe on apple podcast you can find us on spotify spreaker just search yards and stripes right there uh, it will be delivered right to your smartphone especially if you're an android user um, you can download uh, the spotify app uh, google podcast um, you know don't worry if you are not an iphone user because you can still get it delivered right to your device uh, you know your your tablet whatever it is you, you use we will, Bill Rowland and I will come right to you every single week, midweek, recapping what happened over the weekend and getting you ready for the upcoming weekend. Just search Yards and Stripes on your favorite podcast app and have it delivered right to you. And certainly follow us on social media, Twitter and Facebook at Yards and Stripes. Bill, when we come back, let's look ahead to this weekend's three games right here on Yards and Stripes. We're home for Service Academy football. Character community, courage. That's what the armed forces gave us. And that's what we can give to the next generation. 16 million young adults say they have never had a role model or mentor. Travis Mannion Foundation offers veterans the chance to build character and leadership skills in the next generation to be the role model many never had. We're recruiting veterans to become mentors to young adults in our character development program. So ask yourself, if not me, then who? And join the movement at travismannion.org.
Welcome back into Yards and Stripes. Bill Ron along with Price Atkinson as we get you set for week number four in Service Academy football. And uh, three games on tap. All the teams will be in action this weekend, Price. But let's start off with the game that's going to kick off the earliest, the noon tip time. Seven and a half point favorites are Army as they will host Miami of Ohio. And interesting here, couple of coaches that know each other quite well from their days back when they were young men playing football. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff Munkin and uh, head coach Chuck Martin of the Miami, Ohio Red Hawks both played together at Milliken back in the 80s. You know, Munkin saying, you know, that uh, he remembers Chuck being one of those old reliable teammates. And so they're going to do battle. Know, coming up on Saturday, a game at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time from Mikey Stadium again, where Army's won 12 straight CBS Sports Network. Last I checked, Bill, Army an eight and a half point favorite. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's the last um, line I've seen on this game. You know, Miami comes into the game at one and two, but you know, don't let maybe that record fool you. This is a this is a gritty, gutty, you know, typical one of those MAC teams that the Red Hawks are going to give, I think, Army everything they want on Saturday. Yeah, no question about it. And, yeah, the line's falling somewhere between seven and a half, eight, eight and a half. It's all right around in there. And, and Miami's record, as you mentioned, one and two, but they lost to Cincinnati, who got them pretty good. But Cincinnati's, you know, top 20 team. Yeah. And Minnesota out of the Big Ten, they had a chance in that game. It was a one-score game falling to the Gophers out of the Big Ten by only 31 to 26. And this, to me, this is going to be the, the key point of the game is Miami's defense right now, despite playing Cincinnati, despite pay, playing Minnesota, they're only giving up 36% on third down defensively. We know that's a big number for Army, that they need to be probably 50% or more to sustain drives to continue on. So that, to me, is going to be the, a big number to watch in this game is how is Army doing against Miami when it comes to converting on third down because, the, again, the Red Hawks do a pretty good job uh, of keeping teams from being able to convert. They're giving up only four yards a pop on the ground, so it's a pretty good run defense for Miami all the way around. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, you're, you mentioned that game, uh, you know, obviously Cincinnati, they're a top 10 team. You know, they beat Miami pretty solidly in that opener. But I watched a good bit of that Minnesota game and, and the Gophers got up big, but they had to hang on. They had to survive because my uh, Miami was coming, you know, at the, at the end of that football game. And then, you know, clearly last weekend they overwhelmed, you know, an FCS opponent where it really wasn't even close. But, you know, a chance to get right, get healthy, get, you know, get some momentum going up to Mikey, um, you know, I, I think Army, you know, mentioned some having some guys that are kind of getting dinged up. Ty here, Tyler, you know, didn't play, you know, last weekend, starting quarterback. He started the season, Connor Bishop, Julian McDuffie, Tyson Riley, um, all missed the UConn game on Saturday. And then you had a couple defensive starters, uh, Bonsu, Ryan Duran, and Markel Broughton, they all left the game uh, with injuries against UConn. So, you know, I know Jeff Munkin mentioned this week, you know, he's a little bit banged up, you know, for where you want to be at 3-0 and and after, you know, this early in the season. Um, so, you know, injuries kind of starting to take a, a little bit of toll. You know, uh, Sean Eckert, wide receiver, senior, and then senior cornerback Caleb John, they're, they're out for the rest of the season due to injuries. So, I mean, they're kind of starting to mount a little bit for Army, but you know, especially on, on, on 
offense, Bill, when you run that next man up kind of triple option system, you, you just kind of plug and play because that's really the situation where Jeff Munkin's got that I think that if Kenny Amatololo were honest with you, he wishes that he had. He doesn't have plug and play right now. Army has the kind of depth where they can survive some of these injuries, but you don't want to continue to get dinged like this, though. No, and the nice thing about it, you mentioned a couple of those guys that missed the UConn game. They didn't need them in the UConn game, so they get yeah. the week of rest. And, and who knows if some of those guys, had it been a different opponent, if they might have tried to have gone in the game, if they might have said, look, I'm, I may be only 80%, but I can go out there and, and maybe my 80% is better than my backups 100%. Well, they didn't need that against UConn. They could give them an extra week of rest. So hopefully that week off for a lot of these guys will help them, and, and now they're going to be set to go as they take on Miami. But, again, it's going to be a situation that, like Army, Miami doesn't have the one guy that you're just going to see get the ball handed to him 20, 25, 30 times. They average about 165, 170 yards a game on the ground as a team, but nobody is averaging more than 50 yards a game for them. So they spread it out. They've got three, four, five guys that they're going to rely on. Army's used to seeing that, so hopefully that part of it won't be a big deal. There won't be some big surprise where they go, well, wait a minute, this was a guy that normally gets 20 to 25 carries. Where'd this other guy come from? You know that they've got their main two or three, but they've got a bunch of different guys they are going to see uh, opportunities in this game come Saturday. Yeah, if a name, the last name Gabbert sounds familiar, yes, the starting quarterback for the Red Hawks, Brett Gabbert, Mac Freshman of the Year in 2019, but the brother of former Mizzou standout and current NFL quarterback Blaine Gabbert. So you will hear that name called quite a bit, obviously, on Saturday as he will be throwing the ball all over Mikey Stadium. Here's what Jeff Munkin had to say about going up against his friend and Miami head coach Chuck Martin's Red Hawks. You know, I think our guys played really, really well but we're going to play a really good football team next week that won the MAC championship two years ago. And we're going to have to play a really good football game and not make mistakes. We made some and not make mistakes against Miami to give ourselves a chance to win. I mean, everybody was around here the last time they came into town and the thing went to overtime. That was an incredible battle. That's Jeff Munkin getting ready for the Red Hawks coming in to Mikey Stadium, 12 noon CBS Sports Network. Army uh, favored by over a touchdown, over one and two Miami. I don't know, Bill. Uh, I could see this one being a slobber knocker down to the end. I could see Army racing out to a big lead, not looking back. Some tells me it'd be a little bit more in between, but I like Army to get the win. Yeah, I think Army will win this game. It's, it's going to be interesting because – Miami only played three games last year, that abbreviated COVID schedule. But in those three games, they were averaging four sacks a game. So up front, they're pretty solid. The problem for them, Army doesn't throw a ton. You're not going to see them dropping back 10, 15, 20 times in this game if they don't have to. So despite the fact that Lonnie Phelps, one of their D linemen, has a sack in every game this year, I don't know that he gets one Saturday because I don't know that Army's going to step back and try to throw the ball. So, yeah, I think Army gets the win. I don't know that they'll cover that touchdown plus because I'm with you. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than that. But I'm not sure the strengths of that Miami defense, other than their third down conversion rate, they like to get after the passer. They do a good job getting pressure. Army's not going to throw the ball, so I don't know if that negates an advantage that they would have. Now, if Army gets behind and has to throw – then look out because Miami's going to be able to get after them. 
All right, let's pivot to our next game on Saturday. The Navy Midshipmen coming off the bye week, 0-2, heading down to the Lone Star State to take on Houston, 2-1. It's going to be the American Athletic Conference opener for both teams, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff on ESPNU. At last check, Navy was getting 20 points. So Houston, almost a three-touchdown favorite in a series that they lead all time, uh, five and two. And also Houston, two and one in home games against the midshipmen down there in Houston. You know, some news in terms of injuries on the Navy front. You know, they're going to lose starting safety Mitch West for the season to an injury. He suffered uh, early in the game against Air Force. This is a brutal seven-game stretch for the midshipmen. I mean, worst-case scenario, they're sitting at 0-9 when this whole thing is said and done. But, you know, if anything, you had a little bit of time, the bye week bill to kind of steady the ship, make some changes, if you will, uh, depending on what those might be. We know that Ivan Jasper, obviously, we, we talked about it last week, offensive coordinator fired, rehired, going to be coaching quarterbacks. But Kenny Matololo going to be the play caller. I think that bye week probably came at the best time. You don't normally like to have one that early, but certainly for Navy, I don't think there's they would have it any other way. Happy you got that bye week and a chance to get your feet under you going to Houston. Yeah, I, I can't really trust this Navy team until we see what has been done over the bye week. Because you, as we talked about, you can change the play caller. You're not changing the plays because it's the system that you run. So you can just call them in a different order. You're going to call a different play at a different time. I mean, I don't know what that does for the Navy offense as far as changing their dynamic and what they're going to do. But, uh, look, this is a Houston team that they've got speed all over the place, um, especially in the passing game. Nathaniel Dell, 22 catches already on the year, 301 yards, three scores. He's the main weapon. Clayton Toon is their quarterback, and they only may be averaging about 225 yards through the air. You can expect they're going to try to exploit. You just talked about the injury in the secondary for Navy. They were already thin back there anyway. That makes them even thinner. I imagine Houston's going to try to attack them through the air. If they can get Navy behind early, it could be a very long day because that takes away any advantage that Navy has of, okay, this is a close game. We can continue to grind and grind and grind. I just, again, I can't trust them until I see something from them. And I don't even mean winning this game. Sorry, that would be miraculous to me if they were able to go down to Houston and win. I just want to see, how about this? I want to see them score 10 points. I want to see them get in double digits for the first time in five games. I just want to see the offense look like an offense again because it's been putrid this season in the last three games of last year. Yeah, and, and one thing that's hurt Navy this season, you know, that has, you know, hurt him many years in the past is is the passing game. And Clayton Toon, the quarterback for Houston, completing almost 71% of his passes, 20, 21st best in the nation. You know, you know Dana Holgerson uh, likes to go, you know, up-tempo, high-powered, and that's certainly what Houston's going to do. You know, at 2-1, and one, they haven't lost a fumble all season. Um, you know, and the other thing, too, Dana Holgerson building this team, you know, he, he came in what I believe this is year two I think for Holgerson you know he's built it through a lot of transfers um, not so much homegrown players out of Lone Star State you know got 16 power five transfers on the roster 
18 JUCO players, you know, but after losing that uh, opener to Texas Tech by, uh, what, 38 to 21, you know, they've had two big blowout wins. So they're coming in with a lot of confidence and especially a team. I mean, matchup wise, I don't think this could be a worse matchup for the midshipmen, Bill. Yeah, I mean, unless they played somebody else who's got an incredibly good passing game, like a Utah State that we just saw against Air Force, that could be pretty miserable. Now, don't read too much into – I mean, Houston beat Grambling. They beat Rice, who are two, you know, let's be honest, not great teams. But they held their own against Texas Tech, who's a pretty good football team. Again, the 20-21, whatever the line ends up at, I'm not sure because Navy's offense just – can't generate anything do you trust them if houston scores 30 do we think navy can get to 10 i mean maybe late i guess if something happens where you know houston's up big and they just kind of put in all their backups but i just need to see that coach ken has at least gotten some sort of discipline into them as we looked at last week all the mistakes they made just in the punting game alone i need to see that stuff cleaned up before i can move on and say okay the trend is going in the right direction. They may be losing games, but the trend is going in the right direction. Right now, they are basically flatlined. I saw CBS Sports does their bottom 25 rankings, and, mm-hmm. and I think Navy was like five or six in the bottom 25, and they were near the bottom. And quite frankly, it wouldn't shock me if in the next couple of weeks they ended up as the bottom team in that ranking system. Yeah, and special teams is something you mentioned as well. And that's, you know, I, I have a hard time looking statistically, you know, especially only after three games, but when, you know, it's the kind of competition that, that Houston has played, you know, with Rice and Grambling, I, you need more of a sample size, especially, um, you know, but, you know, they've got uh, a guy that's blocked. I think he leads the country in block punts. He's got two already, you know, and their punter is averaging over 47 yards a kick, which is top 20 in the country you know and then a guy it's another transfer from troy he's returned a punt for touchdown averaging 12 yards a punt return special teams is something to keep an eye on in this game especially in a spot where houston really excels bill you know be on the lookout for it uh, again a 7 p.m kickoff espnu 0-2 navy 2-1 houston american athletic conference opener and bill let's go to our last one on saturday an 8 p.m kickoff on fox sports 2 fs2 florida atlantic making the long trip out from South Florida. They're two and one. It's not the fighting Lane Kiffins anymore, but they're coming in uh, with a couple wins after losing their opener to Florida to take on two and one Air Force. Uh, again, they, they come into this game having won two straight Air Force right now giving four and a half points the last I have seen. Uh, this is going to be the first CUSA opponent for Air Force since the last time these two teams played in 2018 in South Florida uh, when Air Force lost to the Owls, Bill. Yeah, Florida Atlantic 2-1. and one. They have wins over Fordham and Georgia Southern, a loss to Florida. And you just talked about how Houston is building through transfers. Well, that's what Florida Atlanta is doing as well. Nikasi Perry is the quarterback for the Owls. And if you're a college football fan, you may recognize that name. He's the grad student from Miami of Florida. So he's comfortable playing in high-profile games. He's played against top-notch competition. And they're averaging nearly 300 yards a game through the air, seven touchdowns and no picks so far in the season for Perry. So, again, it's another team that's going to come and try to sling it all around the field. 
and Air Force is going to have to try to find a way to get some pressure onto Perry in that offense, and they're going to have to try to keep him off the field, or we could see another game where it's, you know, 42-38, 45-42, because Florida Atlanta is going to throw the football, and they've got a guy in the backfield that can get it done. He is pretty good. You look at his numbers from his time at Miami. He's no slouch. He didn't leave because he wasn't able to play at that level. Uh, he just wanted to have the opportunity to play more than he was at Miami. Yeah, you mentioned uh, FAU and a lot of transfers. That's kind of been the name of the game. Uh, Lane Kiffin took, you know, almost anybody and everybody he could get, you know, over the last several years, uh, you know, for the Owls, you know, just trying to find talent. Um, and Willie Taggart has certainly been around the block uh, most recently at, I believe, South Florida is where he was fired from last time. You know, he's he's got some certainly some uh, some connections down there, um, you know, in, uh, in, in the state of Florida, having coached at Florida State as well. Um, Nikosi Perry, the guy, though, you know, in terms of transfers, was a top 100 recruit, you know, when he signed at the University of Miami. And a lot of people thought Nikosi Perry was going to be the next, you know, big quarterback at Miami, which they certainly have had their lineage. And, you know, this question that I absolutely hate hearing brought up on talk radio or anywhere is the you back, you know, but a lot of people thought that he was going to be maybe the guy to bring them back, um, you know, picking Miami over Georgia, Tennessee, Auburn, Florida State over a lot of schools. He could have gone really anywhere he wanted uh, coming out of high school. But right now he seems to be finding that footing seven touchdowns hasn't thrown a single pick this year um you know florida atlantic is is going to come all the way across the country and they're not going to blink uh against air force but i think you're going to see an angry air force team on saturday after what happened uh, against utah state i think this is going to be a hungry air force team coming out looking to make a statement at the very beginning bill yeah they're gonna have to keep an eye they've got a good speedster he's only a freshman though so it'll be interesting to see how he does their first game basically out of the state of Florida because they played Florida then a couple of home games. Uh, But LeJonte Wester, who has 21 catches already on the season in just three games. So, I mean, he's averaging seven seven catches a game, which is a pretty decent number uh, when you're talking about a college kid and a freshman who's just playing his, you know, now will be his fourth game coming up on Saturday. So that's a kid that I would keep an eye on if I'm Air Force uh, because he's been able to do it against Florida. He's been able to do it it against Georgia State, Fordham. He looks like he's off to a pretty good career down there for Florida Atlantic. If you've already got 21 catches in your first three games, you're doing something right. Yeah, absolutely. I mentioned Willie Taggart, not of South Florida, but, you know, of Oregon, Florida State. Um, And then you've got one of the Stoops brothers on staff there. This is a team that's got a lot of experience, Bill. And so, you know, Air Force trying to find that experience, obviously, early in the season. Um, But I think Air Force is going to get the win, you know, giving giving four and a half points. I think Air Force is going to cover and get their third win of the season. Um, Again, 8 p.m. FS2 kickoff. Florida Atlantic in Air Force. All right, Bill, when we come back, our Travis Manion Foundation honor roll. We honor and remember a fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice for our country. We'll do that when we come back here on Yards and Stripes. If not me, then who? This ethos is driving the Travis Manion Foundation to empower veterans and families of fallen heroes to develop character in future generations. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Manion was killed in Iraq while saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on in the five words he spoke before leaving for his final deployment. If not me, then who? Guided by this mantra, veterans continue their service, developing strong relationships in the community and thrive in their post-military lives. Visit TravisManion.org and ensure the character of our nation's heroes lives on in the next generation. If not me, then who? 
Welcome back to this episode of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. And time for our Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll segment where we honor and remember uh, someone who has given the ultimate sacrifice protecting uh, us, our freedoms, and our country. And this week, we're going to honor and remember a West Point graduate from 2003. First Lieutenant Laura Margaret Walker. And Laura was killed in Afghanistan August the 18th, 2005. And she, Laura, had lived in 18 different cities, three countries, attended 10 schools before she graduated from Shape American High School in Belgium, uh, before going on to Army West Point, where she was a 2003 graduate, elected secretary of her class, got her degree in political science and systems engineering. And Laura was a, as I mentioned, a West Point graduate, but 2003 team captain of the Black Knights women's handball team that advanced all the way to the National Collegiate Championship game. She also played on the U.S. junior women's handball team that competed in the Pan American Games years ago. And as I mentioned, she lost her life in Afghanistan uh, on August 18, 2005. And she was part of the assigned to the 555th Engineer Brigade based out of Fort Lewis and was deployed overseas in the Middle East as part of the 864th Engineer Combat Battalion. And one thing I was struck by is two things that her friends and family talked about her uh, after her death and quite simply describing her with two words, loyalty and passion. Um, And as her mother stated, Quote, her mother Valerie said, quote, what holds meaning is the date of 9-11. Laura did not die on a humanitarian mission in Afghanistan. Though she was dedicated to improving the quality of life of all, she died fighting those who would do us harm. She died for us, for all of us. End quote. I don't know what else you can say than what her mother Valerie Walker said uh, after her death as she was Awarded uh, the Bronze Star, Purple Heart, Army Commendation Medal, National Defense Service Medal, Army Service Ribbon, many, many others that she was awarded uh, after her death. And she is survived by her mother, Valerie, as I mentioned, Father Keith, who also serves in the Armed Forces, Sister Audrey, and brothers Duncan and Brian. And again, we honor and remember a fallen hero here on the Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll segment, uh, remembering one of our heroes who has given the ultimate sacrifice for our country. And if you want to find out more information about the Travis Mannion Foundation, you can do it online at travismannion.org. In the words that Travis himself spoke before deploying for that final time, if not me, then who? Again, travismannion.org. All right, wrapping up this episode of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football, Bill Rowland and myself, Price Atkinson. Appreciate you uh, downloading, listening, and subscribing. Appreciate Bill for helping put this together every single week. It's been awesome having Bill on board. And, you know, Bill, just taking a snapshot, looking ahead to the weekend. 
um, you know, Florida Atlantic going to Air Force. You got Army hosting Miami of Ohio and the Navy uh, going down to Lone Star State. They got, I believe, 22 players from Texas, most on their roster. They're going back home to play down at Houston. What are you looking at this weekend? Well, to me, it's interesting because I think each team has something that they're trying to get accomplished this week. I think for Army, it's to continue having everything keep rolling along. They're 3-0, and looking to get to 4-0. and They know they've got a pretty decent competition across the line from them in Miami of Ohio, a team that, uh, as we've talked about, won the MAC a couple years ago. But they need to keep it rolling. They need to get it going, uh, continuing that right direction as they build towards that big game that they have coming against Wisconsin in October. For Air Force, it's can you bounce back? Can you take what you learned in your loss against Utah State and then apply it so it doesn't happen against Florida Atlantic? And that may be be better against your you know the pass defense. Find a way to get more pressure on the quarterback. And as we said, hold on to the football. For Navy in their game, they just have to show me that they are willing to fight as a football team. They are willing to say, okay, yes, we've been off to a terrible start. We have not been good on offense since last season, the last part of it. But we are making progress. We are getting it done. We aren't going to let what happened against Air Force continue to happen when they had 30 yards, total yards, halfway through the fourth quarter. I need to see some progress from Navy. So all three teams have something they need to be doing this weekend. I want to see if they can get those things done. Yeah, in terms of games, I think probably the the, the opener, uh, the first game on Saturday is the one I've got my biggest eye on, or both eyes, I should say, is you know Army hosting Miami of Ohio. There's going to be a game Red Hawk team. Um, they're better than I think their two and one record indicates, and you know they could go in there and you know they could give Army fits. And you know Service Academy football over the years, you know we're, we're going to see it. I, I my experience in, in in working at a Service Academy and. It's not just football. It's across the board. You know, these these student athletes who have so much demands on them when it comes to military, academics, and then you throw in the athletic component. You know, these, these teams play to the level of the competition so many times. Um, you know, they rise to the challenge, like, you know, especially Army and even Navy has done it so many times over the years. You know, when you get a chance to play against a Michigan, you know, on Ohio State, a team out of the SEC, you know, but then there's teams where that you should stomp, you know, you should curb stomp them. I mean, you look at them on paper, and I know Air Army did that last week. Um, but there's, you know, like, say, Air Force hosting Florida Atlantic. This is one that, that the Air Force should – Win. I'm not going to say handily by you know three or four touchdowns, but you know I could see it getting out of hand like that. Um, but I think that it's a team that they should handle. They should beat a Florida Atlantic. These teams, Service Academy teams, play to the level of the competition so often. They rise up, and then even you get some of the uh, some on the other end of the spectrum where you know they might be flat. And, and there's a lot of variations to it. But I think so much of it is always because of the demands they have on them. It's just so hard. It's so hard. It's, college football in general to get up for 12 games usually here what is it bill maybe you get a team getting up and getting maybe a a game three four times a season um you get even less i think sometimes out of that at a service academy level and just just because of so much of the demands that these kids have on them you know that's something that i'm going to be starting to pay attention to especially as we get into you know october uh because it's just around the corner and you know that's when you have these teams like army at three and oh you know doing the job that you 
you need to do. And they have been doing it, you know, but there have been a couple times where it's a little, been a little bit too close for comfort in games. They should have won handily you know, over the last couple of years. And I'm not just calling out Army. There's, you know, Army and Navy or Air Force and Navy, the same thing. So, you know, just something to kind of keep an eye on, big picture perspective. But I, I'm really excited about uh, Army and Miami. I think that's going to be – I think that'll be the game on Saturday, Bill Rowland. Yeah, it should be a good weekend of football all the way around. I, I would imagine we're probably looking again – uh, a two and one uh, record for the service academies. Again, it would be tremendous if Navy could get things turned around that quickly in, in with their bye week to go down and beat Houston. But you know, I'm just not seeing that. But I think I think Army and Air Force will will both come out with victories on Saturday. All right, one quick note to pass along: um, Army was supposed to be uh, the Tennessee Volunteers, uh, one of their three or uh, one of their non-conference opponents for next season, going to Neyland Stadium in Knoxville. It was going to be Tennessee's uh, third game of the season. Um, that no longer is going to be the case. Army has been removed from Tennessee's schedule next year in Akron. Probably a smart move on Tennessee's part, on uh, Josh Heupel getting rid of Army and bringing in Akron, you know, a team that they might be able to beat. I think Army go in there and give Tennessee all they want, walk out of that ugly orange stadium uh, <laughs> with uh, with a win. But Bill, great job this week. Uh, excited for more college football this weekend again. Yards and stripes, Army, Navy, and Air Force. Your home for Service Academy football. Search Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. We come to you once a week during the college football season, and we're going to continue all the way through the end of this 2021 season into 2022 right here on Yards and Stripes. Bill, great job this week. We'll do it again next week. For Bill Rowland, I'm Price Atkinson. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being with us for this edition of Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. A reminder to find us on social media through Yards and Stripes and subscribe or follow this podcast wherever you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And we will catch you next time on Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football.